Welcome back to the Saturday show. Jake Hatch, Alex Lundberg along for the ride. And Lundy, nice pull on the bump back music here. We are pleased to be joined now by Brad Rock, the rock monster himself. Brad, thank you for carving out some time for us. How are you, sir? I am good. Yes, I have time. I have nothing but time, so I'm happy to be here. It's, it's good to hear your voice. It's, it's been a minute. How, how, how is life treating you, sir? Well, it's good. I got back from Mexico a couple of days ago. Uh, I get to take my own vacation time, Jake, whenever I, uh, whenever I decide to. So it's, it's doing well. I miss the, I miss the people I worked with like you guys mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and the writing I miss, but, uh, but it's a good schedule. I, I, would believe that. I believe it absolutely would be a good schedule. And Brad, I wish we were bringing you on on a happier note, but um, some tragic news today, learning of the passing of Mark Eaton. Uh, for many, many years, you were right there in the trenches with the Utah Jazz. Um, what uh, is kind of your initial thoughts, thought or thoughts about the life and legacy of Mark Eaton? You know, he just never, he never changed. He never forgot who he was. He never stopped being grateful. Uh, he never stopped being an approachable guy. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I saw him three weeks ago. I was on the way somewhere else uh, and saw him on the shuttle at the airport, and he was heading up to Montana, uh, I think it was for a, for a fishing trip, and looked as good as he always does. And, and we talked for a few minutes there on the shuttle. And uh, nothing had ever changed. And some other people on the bus saw him, and, you know, they kind of came up and said, nah, who's that tall guy? I know who he is. I know who he is. Mm-hmm. But he seemed so approachable uh, to everybody. And so he, he never changed that. But he was just a grounded, good person in, in every aspect. I think that right there is kind of the epitome of who Mark Eaton was, Brad. I didn't have a lot of interactions with him, limited in terms of just mainly media. And you would see him here at Vivint Arena or back in the day, Mm -hmm. Energy Solutions Arena or even far back, the Delta Center. And it seemed like even if he were walking the opposite way, he was more than happy to stop and chat for a couple minutes, kind of give you his thoughts on what's going on. And then you just kind of move on with your day. But you always came away thinking, okay, he is a large human being. There's no doubt about that. Seven foot four, but mm-hmm. he was never too big f- to take a moment and speak to anybody. Never too big. And, you know, I have, I've been thinking about him all day since I heard the news. And I do remember one night when I covered the Jazz and I was in Minneapolis and the Jazz had played the game. And uh, as I recall, you know, everybody was pretty much gone and I'd finished my story and I walked out to the arena, <clears throat> out out to the court, and I see a group of a few hundred uh, young people. And, you know, they're standing on the court a couple of hours after the game. Mark was speaking to a small group of, I think it was a, a Christian youth group, uh, in the other team's arena. It wasn't for the jazz fans. It was the other team's arena, and he was that guy. Uh, when everybody else was done with work, uh, Mark went and donated his time to this group. So that kind of tells you tells you who he was. Uh, Brad, I'm sure that as you've seen and heard, you know a lot of people are sharing their experiences, um, mm-hmm. you know the different stories and things like that that they have of Mark Eaton. Uh, mm-hmm. But as someone who knew him well, you know and interacted with him a lot, 
what would you say would be the best way to honor his legacy for those of, of us who in the, in this community feel impacted by this loss? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. He loved, he loved Utah. And, and I do remember, uh, once, uh, I was on the team bus actually with him after a game. It was one of those mornings in Southern California. <laughs> it was winter up here <laughs> and it was sunny in North, uh, Southern California. And, uh, you know, I got, I got on the bus and I said, Mark, don't you ever wonder why you ever left here? He goes, no, no. He said, uh, I, you know, I, but until I moved to Utah, I thought standing in line at a bank or at a grocery store was just a way of life. Uh, standing in line all the time. He said, I love it up there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how you would honor him by doing that, but he loved Utah. He loved the area where he lived up in, in Park City, Jeremy Rand's area. And and he treated everybody. I think if we if we took anything from it, would say, you know, everybody matters to somebody. And uh, and he made sure you knew that. And he he was never too big to sign autographs. I never saw him ever be rude. I never saw him turn down an autograph. And uh, and I think that is the the legacy of Mark Eaton is is that everybody matters. Brad, you spent many, many years covering games with the Utah Jazz. Are there any, uh, I don't know, particularly, I guess, what we'd say lighthearted moments that you had with Mark? You know, I can't think of him. He was always kind of gentle. He would have a gentle laugh. You know, no, it was, it, there wasn't often belly laughs, but I do remember this uh, See, I used to I used to ride on the team bus to games from the hotel, and mm-hmm. I never felt too comfortable doing that, except that Jerry liked it, and Jerry liked the media on the bus, so they the players were accountable. Uh, you know, if they if they weren't acting like he thought they should be, and so uh, I would go on the team bus, and, and one or two other people, Hot Rod Hundry would do it, and the Tribune writer would do it. And I, I was afraid I would miss a story if I didn't go on a team bus. But I do remember on the bus you would get on, and, and Mark and John Stockton would would be competing on crossword puzzles. And they'd have the newspapers out, and they would compete with each other. And, uh, and they would, uh, every once in a while, uh, try to see if I could find something on my laptop or something. I, I don't even remember at that time whether we were using laptop. I think we were using Radio Shack Trash 80s or something. But uh, anyway, uh, they, would, uh, they would compete with other, each other on, on, uh, on crossword puzzles. That was, that was good entertainment. And those, those guys were interested, in, uh, they were interested in the world around them. See, that's, that's fascinating to me. Crossword puzzles, of all things. Yeah. Yeah, John and Mark. Uh, Mark would do that. I think now. There's one other thing I remember pretty clearly, uh, and uh, we were, you know, I don't know how we got on it. We were talking about big people, tall people, and you know, uh, I, I, I think I, I think I put my hand, my palm of my hand up, and measured it to Mark's hand. And my hand was almost as big as his. He didn't have giant hands. And if you remember when he dunked, he'd just kind of roll the ball over. He was tall enough, but he didn't, he didn't take it in one hand like Dr. J and dunk it. Mm-hmm. And, and he didn't have gigantic hands. And, I, and John put his hands up against Mark's, and John's hands were bigger. 
Well, that, you know, that pretty well explains why John is the all-time assist leader in history. <laughs> he could pick up the ball in his hands. But that was, that was kind of entertaining to me that, that the seven foot four guy, uh, didn't have gigantic hands, uh, and, and then the, uh, six foot two guy, you know, uh, was able to use those, those great hands to become the all-time assist leader. That's, absolutely- oh, by the way, yeah. by the way, Mark Eaton, and John will be would be glad to uh, acknowledge this, and I, I've, I've heard him do it. But Mark Eaton, John is the all-time uh, steals leader as well, and mm-hmm. and Mark Eaton made that happen. Not that John didn't have the skill, but John could gamble because he always had Mark at his back. Well, I think that, and we we talked to Steve Klauke earlier on on the show, and he kind of we I made the comparison that. What John Stockton was able to do, he's able to gamble a little bit more on defense because he yeah. had a guy behind him to deter opposing players. It's similar to what the right. Utah Jazz have right now with Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. very similar, and it allows guys to do things that they, you know otherwise you'd have to stay home and not take those those risks. And then you had the guy with John with the quickness and skill uh, that could do it, and so it put John in the record books. And uh, you know, Mark maybe should have an asterisk there and. Uh, and there's a footnote there. Hey, this is made possible by Mark Eaton. Absolutely. Well, we are out of time, but Brad, I could go on with you probably for another hour and a half just talking about your memories of the Utah Jazz. We'll have to save that for another day, all right? Okay. Nice to talk with you. Absolutely. That Brad Rock, of course, longtime sports writer here in Utah, covering the Utah Jazz for many, many, many years. 